0: They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up? Talk to music. Black boy from D.C. Black people raise me. Chocolate city filled dreams. Afro on my head full of dreams. Went out into the world and they doubted me. Insecure thoughts started crowding me. But then I look back from where I came. And things ain't never been the same. So sometimes people ask, Craig, what is it that you do? Do you write, talk shit? How you paying bills, boo? I guess I do it all with all the strength that I can muster. I guess you could say that I'm a hustler. Okay. Alright. Are you ready for the show? Are you ready for the show? Okay. Alright. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hello, everybody. How are you this week? Welcome to Craig's Pop Life, a black gay excursion into pop culture. I am your host, Craig Seymour, you know me. I've been writing about pop culture for more than 20 years now. You can read some of my music writing at rnbing.com. I'm also an author who has written a number of books. The biography, Luther, The Life and Longing of Luther Vandross. A memoir about being a grad school stripper hoe. All I Could Bear, My Life in the Strip clubs of Gay Washington, D.C. An experience which I feel does give me a little bit of credibility for the review of Hustlers that I will be offering in a later part of the broadcast. So, you know, I'm feeling good about that. I'm, feel, I'm feeling like I know my shit. Like I'm in my zone, you know what I mean? Um and then my novel about three generations of black gay men looking for love, Who's Your Daddy? And also my forthcoming book special, The Life and Art of Janet Jackson, which is coming soon, and I felt really bad that it's taking me longer to um finish it than I plan, but goddamn, she's not even working on a new album now, um, which we will discuss later, so I'm feeling a, quite a bit of a way about that. Uh, I have a website where you can find links to the songs and other stuff that I discuss on the show. It's easy to remember. It's com. So, let's talk about this week, and let's just cut right to the white meat. You know, uh... While you're listening to this podcast, I'm saying y'all, y'all, I mean, y'all know I don't just flip out over everything and whatever, but while you're listening to this podcast, okay? You need to be texting your boys, your girls, the people that you go to movies with, you know, whoever whoever your crew, you need to be corralling the crew together, and then you need to make definitive plans to when y'all are seeing Hustlers this weekend, and then you need to go ahead and warm up the good Fandango app and order them advance tickets. You do not want to be the person that does not see Hustlers the first week, um, This is a movie that will be sold out and out and out and out on the first weekend. So, you know, do not get left out of the party because it is quite the raw, emotional, moving, funny-as-fuck party. So, you know, I'm going to talk about the film and talk about how I felt about it without giving any spoilers. But I first want to kind of give a little bit of caveat about just how I am approaching strip club movies anyway. Okay, and the ones I like and the ones I don't really, you know, so just so you know... From where I stand. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, I don't tend to like strip club movies. To be honest with you. Um, and that includes... Get ready to class your pearls. But that includes showgirls. I saw it once. Uh, I don't know any of the lines from it. The people who come up to gay clubs and be saying. "Also, I don't. I know Vers- Versace. That's all I know from that movie. And I have no desire to see it again. Um, I mean, I worked in strip clubs. So I'm not really fascinated by the whole culture and it's just it uh, I don't know that just the mood never seems right or something so I I don't so that is not my thing per se there are exceptions um plus strip club movies tend to be really campy and I have a very very low tolerance for camp for a gay man I don't know why I didn't get the camp gene or something like that but I have very 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 low tolerance for camp and that tolerance is exactly one drag race season Okay, so I can go through a drag race season thoroughly enjoyed and everything like that. I can't watch the Untucks, you know, but if just the show itself or a run a season. That's exactly how much camp I need in my life for an entire year or entire whenever until the next season. Um, So I'm not really in the market for campy, over-the-top movies. I hate the idea of stuff even being over-the-top. So that's, I'm just telling you my taste. This is what I like, okay? Um... In my humble opinion, Magic Mike XXL is the best stripper movie ever made because of the relationships and the intimacy and everything. So that, to me, is the gold standard of stripper movies. Okay? Um... Not Magic Mike One. Don't even put. They are two totally different films. Two totally different experiences. So if you see, have only seen Magic Mike One and thinking, "Well, how is he like?" No, go Magic Mike XXL is an experience. Um, and so. Now for the star of the movie, because I think it's also good. You know, you're reviewing stuff. You should also let people know if it's, if you have a particular liking or disliking for the star of a movie as you're reviewing it. I think you should let the um, you know, let the people know. You know, so let's just talk about Jennifer Lopez for a second. Now, early listeners to the show <laughs> know that Craig's pop life almost popped off essentially um during a Grammy reaction show where I flamed Jennifer Lopez like she was some shrimp at a Benihana. I mean, (laughs) for the retired Motown tribute at the Grammys, I was not having it. I was not here for it. I was not there for it. I was no place else for it. It was just no. Especially when she dragged my good sister, Tina Marie, into the wax situation. No, 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 no. This is what you won't do. Okay. Um... So I guess I have not been on the best Jennifer Lopez terms ever since that particular time. And I'm not, like, a super—even of the music, I'm not really, like, a super fan or anything like that. You know what I mean? Um, but with that understanding, okay, I have been a fan of J-Lo's acting ever since she first pretended to— uh, ever since she pretended to hear That's the Way Love Goes for the first time in the video. You know what I mean? <laughs> Probably was a probably was the fifty-six take and she still looks fresh like she had never heard the song before that's acting that's craft so i appreciated that in the video and then i also loved when she delivered her lines with a little bit like a proto cardi b bronx finesse which where janet was like bumper boo bumper and j was like she wants it loud she wants everybody to hear <laughs> those are moments So, yes, I appreciate the act. I appreciate the craft in that. Um, So, anyway. uh, And I loved her in Selena. Um, I even dragged with her through the Amazon rainforest, looking for that damn snake in Anaconda. But, like many people, I really first felt that she had some truly soulful depth when she played the U.S. Marshal Karen Sisko chasing bank robber... um, Played by George Clooney in Out of Sight, and that was just such deep. It was sexy. It was, it was everything. You know, it was just so emotional, and you know, she just the intimacy of it. And I guess I've said intimacy a lot, so I guess it's obvious I like intimacy in my films. Okay, so now I'm not a big um. I like romantic com- well, yeah. I mean, I have done have not seen most of her. Romantic comedies, in the sense of sit down and you watching the comedy. Yes, I have passed through a room enough times when Bravo has been playing Made in Manhattan that I think I probably could piece the plot together just in passing, you know, over the years and whatever. But I had not really. I, I kind of like a Julia Roberts purist when it comes to rom coms. Kind of like a my best friend's wedding and a um. What's the one? I'm just a boy standing from the girl. What's the one? I'm just a girl standing from the boy. Notting Hill and those types of things. So yeah, I don't really, I don't really get out much outside my romantic, my rom com comfort zone. Although, sidebar, I did really enjoy Always Be My Maybe on Netflix. I thought that that was a really good rom com, and I also really loved um, Crazy Rich Asians, which stars Constance Wu, who's also in Hustlers. So people making power moves. Um. Now both J Lo and Constant are excellent in the film, just showing a range of emotions. You know, they're tough, they're vulnerable, they're sweet, duplicitous. I mean, it is really like you just watch them like they they, they really acting. You I mean, you really do it's those moments that you do slip you you do see the characters you know and that is so hard to do for somebody like a Jennifer Lopez um or even for Constance Wu who's on a TV sitcom where you see somebody all the time and it means you know you're looking at them you know who they are but you're emotionally connected to them as the character they're portraying and that's such a skill and they really do that um so well now their chemistry alone. Would have given the film a good B in my book, okay? And maybe an Academy Award nod for one of them, you know what I mean? Um, hopefully, but they'll both get one. But what makes Hustler so, so extra special is that it's all the elements of a movie that's both crowd pleasing and has some depth come together, okay? Like the film is written and directed by Lorraine. Scafaria, I believe is how you pronounce her name, and she's definitely a disciple of Steven Soderbergh who did um Out of Sight. Just the way that she uses like quiet conversational scenes to really raise the stakes of the emotional drama. Like not everything has to be over the top but you just really feel the emotions between the characters and you know between the women at the strip club and everything like that it's just it's just fantastic it's just riveting and like the um the dialogue is just firecracker you know it's just such good great dialogue and like nobody's one-dimensional and even the people that come in they may be only in there for one or two scenes you get a sense of who they are just based upon what she says or something she has to do. So she really, really does her thing um, in this. And then on top of the directing, every frame of the film is fucking gorgeous, okay? And also, you know, not just pretty for pretty sake, but it really does change and reflects the um, changing moods of the characters and the emotional states of the characters. The cinematographer is the guy, um, Todd... Banazi, I believe is how you pronounce his name, and he directed the "Make You F- Make Me Feel" video for Janelle Monae, and he's also done some videos for Lord and Carly Rae Jepsen. So, you know, so I'm saying, so you got that, you got already, you got good acting, good directing, good script, good cinematography, okay. And if that was not enough, the music is the bad. The it music is the baddest like the music's like the baddest playlist that you would want to have you know so many films so many films are ruined but for me because it is obviously it is obvious that the people were dancing to one song and then they just dubbed over some other song that must have been cheaper to license or something like that and people just aren't dancing that you know it's just they don't be on beat or if if even if it's on the beat it's like they're not dancing to that particular part the way that people would dance that part. I hate that kind of stuff. And this is not this they spent this they might have spent more on the music than they did on J Lo. I mean the music is on point. And um you know just one little thing that I would suggest um you definitely want to be there on time. Don't be late. Okay. Get your plan your day. In advance of getting there so you can get there on time. If it's running real close, fuck your popcorn, fuck your bees, Just get to your damn seat. You will thank me later, okay? Um, As far as the other actresses, actors, um, all excellent. Like I said, Condis Woo is a truly a superstar. And I can really see why she's tired of that sitcom. Because just playing that dowdy mom and like... You see, When I I only watched the first season of that and I enjoyed it, but it just kind of got tired, you know, in the second season. But seeing what she actually can do, like in um, Crazy Rich Asians and in this film, it's like, okay, I can really see how that role would be very constricting to her because she's very, um, she's she has much more to her than. Being a sitcom mom. Like, I feel like the perfect sitcom mom, even though she's a Republican, is like Patricia Heaton. I feel she does that well, and I've never seen Patricia Heaton do much more than that. You know, she that's that's her that's her bags. Patricia Heaton is it and I watched every single—I watched every episode, every single middle—every single season in the middle until the end, and probably had a little teardrop come down my eye when it ended, but—because I like Patricia Heaton, like I said, even though she's a Republican— um and I, I, I like her feel, but I don't feel like Patricia Heaton has some great acting chops outside of that, where Constant Wu definitely does. So I can see how she would be chafing against that a little bit. Um also giving strong performances are our new daytime diva, Kiki Palmer, she's very funny, and um Lee uh Lily Reinhardt um of Riverdale, R.I.P. Bughead. Um but the cameos also, I mean, like, the film's just popping, you know what I mean? The film's just popping, because the cameos are great. You know, you get Lizzo showing up, Cardi motherfucking B, who gives you everything you'd want from Cardi B being in a stripper movie. Um, So to sum it up, this one's going to be a classic. Go on and pre-order it. Go get your Ultra... 4K edition, whatever the fuck that is. I have no idea. Pre-order the DVD, the Blu-ray, get the digital download, tell your man to the barbershop to be looking out for it. I mean, this is a film that you are going to watch again and again. But you first have to start by seeing it the first time. So, like I said, <laughs> while you're listening to me, or as soon as you finish, you know, Texas people be like, hey, and hey, you know, don't be, don't be, don't go to this film with shaky ass people. Go to this film with your real peoples, your show-up peoples, your be-on-time peoples. You know what I mean? Like, don't let this be one with your flaky friends. Let them see it whenever they can get their little flaky butts together to see it. But you, make you a good plan. Go you with a solid friend. Y'all sit there. Y'all be on time and professional about the movie, and you will have a very good cinematic experience. Um I must say I guarantee I'm in no position to guarantee anything, but I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, my credibility is on the line, but really i i um it has my highest recommendation. I'm definitely going to see it again um very very soon now, moving on um as I was driving to the movie theater, I saw this article pop up on Twitter about Janet um from the Minneapolis Star Tribune called. To Janet Jackson, Minneapolis will always be her home away from home. Oh, isn't that sweet? And I knew instantly what kind of story this was because I worked as the pop music critic at two major newspapers, the Buffalo News and the um, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And for the most part, superstar celebrities ain't trying to get on the phone with no local press. You know what I mean? Like that's, You don't even request it. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's not even it's a way a wasted breath um but if it's getting real close to a tour stop to a tour date and the tickets ain't moving like they want the tickets to be moving then the celebrity will often jump on the phone real quick like close to the date in order to try to get those, the, the, those um tickets moving so when i saw that the story was pubs posted today which is well, it'll be Thursday by the time you hear this, but which is Wednesday, and this show is on Saturday. My assumptions were pretty much confirmed. I knew exactly what was going down. Um, So, you know, basically in this type of story, I wasn't expecting anything breaking news. You know, usually you get like five minutes on the phone and whatever, and what can you ask, you know? But, um, so I put it away. You know, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to, I don't text and drive or read and drive anyway, but I wasn't even reading it at the lights or anything. I was just like, oh, this is, Whatever I can just get to this when I get um to my good seat. So I get to my seat, I'm sitting there, you know, preparing for the cinematic experience to come. And I'm flipping the, you know, articles a little bit longer than I expected. You know, I have to get the thumb action involved, get the little scroll st- the um scroll action going, you know what I'm saying? And I scrolling and reading, scrolling, and reading cute little anecdotes about Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then I get to a part that basically just start my heartbeat. I swear, I was looking around to see if they had CPR equipment on the walls. I, when I got to the sentence, Janet, I mean, sorry, when I got to the sentence, Jackson is not working on any new music aside from the song that's going to be on a, the Jam Lewis compilation album. Now, I have been literally waiting on an album or an EP at least since Made For Now dropped last year. I mean that song was cute and all. The video was very nice looking, you know. I liked that it showed that she was modern. I liked to show that she was still competitive in modern pop and everything like that. But it was—it's it not my my thing, you know. It's just—it's never gonna be my thing. It's never gonna be a song that I. It will never be in one of my Janet playlists, you know. I'm the... um, you know, I want my Janet. I I want some album tracks, you know, something a little darker, some a little more R&B, a little bit more soulful. So I'm, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting for, like, when am I getting my tracks? Um, and then last August in Billboard, producer Harmony Samuel, Samuels, who produced Made For Now, said that he was working with Janet on an EP of songs that kind of call back to the Velvet Rope and Control era. So I was like the Monique gif. I was like, hey, I would like to see that. Um... And he even was mad detailed about the reporting recording process when he was talking to Billboard. He said, um, Janet comes in and hears, hears and loves the record. Her and her brother, Randy, love the record. She makes the changes and does all the things that make it her. Fit her. She's very unique and has her own sound, has her own vibe and sound. We go to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis to cut the record. They were another set of icons legendary people, all of them in one room? That's all too much. Then we cut the record. She loved it, and she's been preparing to put it out for a while. It's been an experience. I'm excited about her EP, too, that's coming out, because we've got other records that are just as good. Now this, if we're getting forensic about the shit, um this was published... Child, where are my reading glasses? Uh, oh, I'm wearing them. <laughs> okay, this <laughs> <It's> maybe some <laughs> maybe some up and up the strength. Anyway, um, this was published on August seventeenth, <laughs> two thousand eighteen. So it was reasonable for me as a Janet fan to be thinking that um I was gonna be getting me some Janet. You know what I mean? And like I was getting kind of frustrated, It's, so, like tour after tour and stuff. Um. And that's cute and all, but I can't stream a tour. Like, I can't, you know, I I, I need new music. You know what I'm saying? I I, I can't go to bed at night listening to a tour or, or, you know, run around, run on the beach to a tour. I need some new music. You know what I mean. And I felt like it was the expectation. I wasn't just running up to her door in London, be like, "Hey, can I get some new music?" You know, because I know that she takes her time between projects. But projects. But he literally said it, so you know, I'm thinking it. Um. So, y'all I'm just rambling. I'm all off. I don't even know where from. Another whole of Um. Yeah, but you know, but the only thing is that um she has said that thing with that last album. She did say, don't believe nothing if you don't hear it from my lips. And we did not hear that she was working on an EP from her lips. To me, that I heard. Maybe that she did some press where she did say that, but it just came from Harmony. But my thing is, if she really wants to only be the person that Gives information, her releases, that she just needs to tell people shut up. Like she should have never let him do this interview because it does raise expectation for fans. And she, you know, nobody gives a fuck about Harmony Samuels. Nobody's gonna be mad at him for the record. Not not coming out, they're gonna be mad at her. But like, maybe she didn't like. I mean, who, any given reason, she has the right to put out whatever she wants to put out. But whenever they're, but you know, at the same time, remember that time that engineer. Um, leaked something about recording with her and that was like a year before Unbreakable came out so I don't know y'all I'm just frustrated I'm just in a different place it's just in a. in it really if you are a Janet Jackson fan or a fan of anybody real big you know or small or just whatever you're just a fan like that experience of going from expecting a new project from them and then to shifting to you ain't getting shit Nothing, not there's nothing on the horizon. You could get your binoculars, look over the horizon. Nothing, <laughs> you know. So, um, I don't know. That's just, it's just a weird situation. But in a way, it's not really surprising because this is kind of the third time she's done this. Um, every uh, when she's worked with a producer outside the Jam Lewis camp. I mean, even after Control, she was working with Brian Loren um, briefly, and. You know, I don't think I would have wanted any of that sounding all like first generation Chinese. Um Then around oh, in 2009, she was in the studio with Rodney Jerkins and those gave us the um, make me. Th- those sessions gave us make me, but nothing else. And she apparently abandoned those. But then we got the um, amazing spiritual masterpiece, Unbreakable. So who cares about a couple of Rodney dance cuts that we didn't get when we get this magnificent... Um, Fully realized, fully thought out, them- thematic album. So I'm fine with that. But um, you know, and I, I, you know, and now that I'm making peace, you know, you go have to go through the stages of grief and whatnot. I mean, I too get the sense that I'm probably we are probably not missing out on all that much. That's groundbreaking. If Made for Now was like the indication of what all was to come. I mean, it's cute, but we have other records like that. Just if you need another Made for Now record, just play together again a remix or something you know what i'm saying like i feel like i i'm i'm increasingly making peace with the idea because i don't want her to force an album because there's no point in that we want her to be her and we want to experience her artistry um in the way that in the way that we're used to experiencing it has a as kind of fully realized thought so Whatever, I mean, but you know, a lot of it do be making sense now, honestly, like, that she was distracting us with shiny objects, like, ooh, look at the vinyl reissues in, in this color and that color, this one changes color from one color to the back, this one don't even have no color, it's clear, you know, <laughs> I mean, they would, I was like, damn, they were doing a lot with the vinyl, so yeah, I guess, because that was all we was getting, so, um, Anyway, um, moving on to something else that happened this week. I went to an event. um, One of my favorite rappers, Rick Ross, um, was talking about his new memoir. Um, Sorry about that, y'all. Hurricanes. I'm sorry, y'all. My allergies are just not playing. And um, I don't know how that— Somebody that's done radio needs to tell me, how do they blow their nose and stuff when um, when they're on radio? you know, without um I guess they play a song or something. But anyway. Um, so yeah, so I like you know, I live in Miami and whatever, so Rick but I love Rick Frost is like, you know, I think people reduce what makes hip hop good. I think there are a lot of different things that make somebody a good rapper and you don't not each person necessarily has to have all of those things. You know, I think we always assume, oh, whoever's the most lyrical is the one that's the most dope. But it's like, you know, I mean, like nothing gets me as hype as listening to Young Jeezy. Like, that just gets, that's just, I don't know, it just does something to my blood. I mean, if maybe it was just living in Atlanta at the time when he was popping and stuff like that. Like, that Young Jeezy, that, that's right. You know, what? <laughs> that just gets me hype. You know, and nothing makes me feel more like um just sort of like going out and doing it and just making moves and making money moves and just bossing up and just just stuff than listening to rick ross um and I know he's a controversial figure because of the whole um correction officer pictures that were taken, so let me just get that out of the way just so y'all know it's not all that complicated, basically, he had dropped out of college. And his mama was like, no, you're not lying around here all day long with no job. So like many people's mamas have told them in the past and many people's sons and daughters have had to get up off the goddamn couch and just go find some kind of job. And this is one of the jobs that, you know, he was a big guy. They're looking for big guys and correction officers. He knew people, you know, that had been locked up and stuff like that. So he was doing it and then hoping he could turn that into a hustle. You know, we know people bring things in out. The- out of um jails all day the thing was um he got assigned to a unit that was mostly just dealing with very elderly um inmates and and the ones that were sick so he was never really part to able to parlay it into anything and then he quit but that was basically the whole thing and i don't see how there's any real discrepancy like oh he can't be street because he did that i'm just like just because you're selling drugs, you're still a person. You still scared of your mama. I mean, Big sold drugs, and he, you know, he hid that from his mother for years. You know what I mean? I don't know what she thought she was doing, but he was telling her different things. I mean, so it's like it's just weird that how people, and it's part of the stigmatization of. I think it's related to the stigmatization of black men in a way of like thinking that just because somebody is, you know, selling drugs that that makes them more kind of animalistic and just like they that's that super predator myth you know that came in the 90s well I mean no most people are still you know Rick Ross was scared of his mama so he got his ass up off the couch and got a job and that's all there is to it so whatever Um. so let me see here these are just some things from the book that I just found um Just some revealing passages that I thought were pretty interesting. And I thought that maybe you would find them interesting as well. So one of the things I really liked about the book was his body positivity. And he says that all the men from his father's side of the family are a bit heavy. He says, to this day, the Roberts men carry their weight well. I wouldn't even say we're fat. We're just some burly, handsome niggas who smell good. Can't argue with that. I mean, I never smelled him, but well, I guess I could. I mean, he did walk by me. I guess I got a whiff of something. I don't know. Um, and this is, I thought, was kind of interesting. Um, number two, uh, he wrote his first rhymes to a song by a Jackson sister, but it wasn't Janet or Latoya. Okay. And I quote, the first beat I ever wrote was to Reby Jackson's 1984 single, Centipede. It was one of my mama's records, and the B-side had the song's instrumental. I'd listen to it for hours, jotting down whatever rhymes I could come up with. I wrote to that one beat for months, experimenting with different rhyme patterns and figuring out how to switch up my flow when it switched up. Interesting. Who would know that? I think it would be hot as I don't know what for him to, um, you know... Use that, like slow it down or something and use it, Um, I don't know, just for a little back of the day thing. So I thought that was cute. Uh, number three, I didn't know that he really got his start ghostwriting for, Um, really got to start ghostwriting for Trina. So he wrote Trina's single, Told Y'all. And then after he was writing some stuff for her, he got that reputation for working with female MCs, kind of like how Jay Z worked with a lot of female MCs for a while, with like Foxy and um and stuff like that. And he wrote "Nookie" by Jackie O. And then when Angie Martinez was pregnant, um, you know, back when Angie Martinez was a recording artist, um. He helped her work on her third album, so I thought that was really, really interesting. But the thing is, he later wound up um, dating one of my faves, Foxy Brown, and I wish he had written some shit for her while you know they were dating, because Foxy Brown over Rick Ross track would be hot, so... Missed opportunities, as there often are in the entertainment world. Um, at number four. Now, he, of course, appears twice on Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. He's on Monster, and he's also on Devil in a New Dress, which is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, and just the way that it comes in at the, you know, after the song's guitar break and stuff, I just think it's just so beautiful. But it's funny. he incl- In the book, he includes the rules that Kanye had, in the studio because Kanye basically flew everybody. This was after the Taylor Swift thing um, where he, you know, was going to let Taylor finish. But Beyonce has the best video of all time. So to get away from all the backlash, he went to Hawaii. And all the people that he wanted to work with, he flew them to Hawaii. Like people like Nicki and all that kind of stuff. So there were studio rules though. So these are the Kanye's studio rules um, for my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. No tweeting. No hipster hats. All laptops on mute. Just shut the fuck up sometimes. No tweeting, please, thank you. No blogging. No negative blog viewing. Don't tell anyone anything about anything we're doing. Exclamation point. No lacking focus while music is being played or music is being made. Total focus on this project in all studios. No acoustic guitar in the studio. It's weird, no pictures, so just a little glimpse into the mind of Yeezy at that particular time um, but you know, as much as I enjoyed the book, which is a really short read, I mean you know you could if you if you started it on your commute to work, you probably finish it by the time you got home. Or maybe you have a few more pages, have a glass of wine and, you know, be finished it. But I, I enjoyed it. Um, but I really did like the QA day that he did with um, Nori. There were some very inspirational parts where he talks about some of his goals um, for the book. And just really gives some insights into not only his success, but just the nature of success um, in general. So I'm just going to play a couple of clips and talk about them for a bit. So here we go.
1: That's dope. So let's get us into the, uh, a little bit more of the book. Is because you know it's like I, like you said earlier. Like I said earlier, is the things that you you, you you didn't say. So what do we want from these these not just Miami kids? What do we want kids or people who to get from this memoir? This, this this excellent black literature. What what are they? What are, what is the main things you want them to leave? First and foremost, I just want all the youngsters to know that you can be an author. Yeah. I want like to know that an author, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, that's something nobody never told me we could do. They never told me we could write films. They never told me we could write scripts. They never told us that we could direct films. They never told us all these different things. It's a lot of different things you just have to realize straight on and a lot of times we need to put this in their face even younger than that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's the conversations we need to be having on some street on frustration.
0: Yeah, and I feel that because like I was saying, you know, on the intro, I didn't know anybody that ever written a book when I was coming up, you know, what that was or the possibility or anything or that even my experiences as a black boy would, um, you know, or a, a be who would become a black man, that that would ever be something that would get between two pages. I mean... Two, not two pages, two covers. But I mean, obviously, my, my pa- parents' house. I mean, it was, there were black books everywhere, but it was kind of like no pat That that was something else. It was it was kind of like the equivalent of TV. You can watch TV all day long. You have no idea how to get on the TV. Do you see what I mean? So um, I, I liked what he had to say about um, the writers there. Now, this is another thing that I really thought was. Um, insightful that he said
1: you know it's just the fact that uh your dreams have really come true you know what i'm saying me coming up in miami i always wanted to make it you know whenever i had the opportunity to let the little homies know that i was never the genius Mm. i was in the back of the class not because that's what a cool motherfucker said but really i didn't know the math answers (laughs) i'm gonna keep it real and i've been around the world and i've
0: I thought that was a lot to admit. I mean, it's, you know, there are so many examples of people that are so-called smart or whatever, and it doesn't matter. It matters whether or not you can realize the dream that you have, whether or not you can put in the work, Whether or not you have the perseverance, that's all that really matters. So I think it's important. Um, I mean, I certainly think that's the case in my career. It's like I just don't, I just don't stop. I have no reason not to stop. Sometimes it's not because it's not like about encouraging me. It's not like somebody saying, "Oh, Craig, we want you to do this. We want you to do this." No, I'm just doing it because it's my life it's my creativity and i just have to keep going but a lot of people get demoralized if they don't if maybe something isn't successful as they want it to be or just you know they feel like people aren't responding to them in the right way it's like you just got to keep going i mean pe- that stuff will come and go but you you know you're not going it's the um person who perseveres and keeps going that is going to reap the success cuz you can't you can't get to the thing that might be successful if you stop at one flop you know i think mary j Blige says something like she refuses to let failure get in the way of her success and that's so um that's so true so i really like that quote so anyway here's another one that i like
1: because you know some people just see the beginning of the marathon and the end of the marathon
0: they don't see what happens in between they don't see they
1: don't hear the, the stories of like that. and, that's, and, and that's what I try to explain sometimes, because when somebody paid Rick Ross to come to an event It's for 30 minutes or an hour for the most, and they want to hear Rick Ross perform or maybe discuss uh, How does he win? It's never no time to really discuss the small things or the shit that's not really important within an hour And that's what makes uh, this memoir important to me because there's a lot of people that walk into the mosaic, They say, you got 50 restaurants. How the fuck you do that? Really, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> because it's not something that you just do in one stride. It's really a, a lot of small steps you take to get in that position so it's not one answer. And if somebody told you they had one answer for something like that, more than likely it isn't true.
0: I could really relate to that because I mean I get that a lot in that I am perceived I think by people and I mean even by myself like I don't think I'm the most I'm not the most organized person in the world I'm not the most hardest working person in the world I consider myself very lazy Um sometimes I'm not lazy but I just like because I just like my rest It's my my life, my right to stay in bed for twelve hours if I want to, you know, but um i'm I would never think if looking from the outside, I would never think, oh, this is the person that has written multiple books and you know has done these podcasts and had a photography career and all that kind of stuff. I could never look on the outside and think that that was me because i don't I would think that you would have to be really organized and um sort of focused to achieve those things but the simple fact is I just do things and years pass by and it's like this thing is just done you know i mean things take a long time but then they are out and then time kind of stops with it and then you just go on to the next thing and the next thing and people still discover things you know i wrote luther for the first the first draft of Luther back in 2003 people are still discovering it and that's fantastic you know so i just i always just think like if you just do something and keep doing it you will achieve what you want to achieve the point is just not to stop and i also think to be conscious about you know i'm always very conscious about Working and not working in terms of I'll have a schedule for when I want to work and when I want to work. But if a zillion things are going on, then I will let myself not work as opposed to being so stressed out about that where I know I wouldn't be productive. Because I think it's those times that you get – it's the frustration that makes you stop, I think. And it's that feeling of, oh, I wish I would have been further along and so i i just feel bad about the project so i just don't even want to um think about it so i'm going to go have a drink you know what i mean that's the kind of thing the biggest thing for me in terms of perseverance uh and you know and doing an artistic project or any kind of long-term project is just the number one thing is learning to forgive yourself because yes you could always do more on it you could have always done more on it. The point is you're there now, and you're doing what you can do now, and you have to accept in that moment. Otherwise, it becomes this thing that you feel shame about, so you don't want to um, work on it, and then it just compiles, and then you never do it. So, A little bit of... A little bit of Craig um riffing on what Ross said, but you know, it is what it is. And lastly, I think this is my favorite um quote that he said. So another thing that I I, I,
1: I read or heard is like you've been
0: working on music this was like even ten years before even hustling. Like people right. just people just see the success of hustling and they just base it on that. Right. How like
1: how 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 important mm-hmm. it is to never quit? You know what I'm saying? That's the key to the the, the whole dream. It's mm. never giving up. Mm. Because that's really how somebody else succeeds. As soon as you quit the race. You know what I'm saying? And it was always just one of those things that when I started writing songs and writing raps, everybody around me was much better than me. But they just didn't work as hard as I did and as long as I did. You know what I'm saying? My homies used to be doing whatever it is going on. And in the middle of that, I would be writing record coming up with something and, you know of course it, man, it took me fifteen years to get on but when I got on I just wouldn't stop. Mm. So really when I when I thought I was suffering I really was preparing myself for greatness. That's really what it is. So a lot of times you gotta really reevaluate the situation you're in because nine times out of ten if it's somewhat painful it's somewhat valuable. Mm. That was deep. Yeah.
0: Well, those words gave me goosebumps then just hearing them live and still do. When I thought I was suffering, I was really preparing myself for greatness. I mean shit, that needs to be on one of them notable cups, the mugs or something like that. Cause that is that I mean, that's the hardest thing to realize, but it really is in certain moments. As long as you, and that's part of what I was talking about in terms of the learning to forgive yourself. If you get stuck in a place, in a dark place, where you can't work at all, then the suffering, nothing might come of the suffering. But if you're in a suffering place and you're still kind of... In problem-solving mode, sometimes that can lead to your best ideas in getting out of that um, situation, that dark situation. But it all depends on you, um, like I said, forgiving yourself and keeping doing something. Because as long as you're moving toward the project, you're solving problems, you're um, moving towards your greatness – However, the speed may be so, I'm gonna leave y'all with that note. Um, otherwise, go see hustlers. Um, like I said, make your plans, get your advanced tickets, and get you, um, you know, like Rick said, keep working on your hustle. And I'm, you know. I will be very happy to give advice on anything that I particularly know about um, doing these types of things. All you have to do is at me, and I will discuss it on the show. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it on iTunes. Um, it's very simply to, simple to do. You don't have to write nothing. You just have to push the number of stars. And if you know someone who might like the podcast, please share it. I don't think you're going to lose no friends. If they don't like it, they just going to stop listening. So, you know, no real risk. I definitely appreciate it. So until next week, y'all, be cool, be kind, be creative. And in the words of my fave, be your damn self. (laughs) Okay, I really love y'all. And I really hope you have a fantastic, creatively fulfilling, um... Everything Fulfilling Week, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye.